Could you open your Bible, please, to First Peter chapter two? And uh, let's pray. Uh, Father, we thank you uh, for this service. Uh, Lord, thank you for uh, this uh, youth service. And, uh, Lord, I'd like to thank you for uh, the youth of our church. And, uh, Lord, I want to thank you for the privilege that I have to serve them and to serve uh, with them. They're a tremendous blessing uh, to me personally, and they're a tremendous blessing uh, to our church. So, Lord, thank you for them. And, uh, Lord, please be with us now as we spend some time uh, in your word. Uh, we pray that you would help us to understand uh, the portion of Scripture before us. Uh, Lord, please help us to have uh, soft and attentive hearts. May our hearts be uh, the good soil that's receptive to the message that you have for us. We ask these things in Jesus' name and for Jesus' sake. Amen. Throughout this last week, how much time did you spend in the Bible? Okay, out of seven, how many days did you have a devotion? Okay, is reading the Bible a part of the daily routine of your life? You know, on my phone, there's something called screen time. And each week, it sends to me the figures of how much time I've spent on my computer and my phone. And if there was a printout of your life over the last week or over the past month, what would it reveal about your time spent in the Bible compared to other activities? Now, these activities are not wrong, but I want to use them as a comparison. How much time do you spend on social media compared to devotions? Now, how much time was spent watching the latest show or movie compared to reading the Bible? How many games of football did you watch compared to the amount of quiet times? How much effort and energy went into your hobbies compared to time with God? How long were you gaming compared to studying the scriptures? How many times did you hit the snooze button instead of reading the Bible? Now, I'm not suggesting that we can't do these things. I'm not even suggesting that reading the Bible has to have a greater portion of the time pie than these things. I'm not pushing some legalistic standard, but I want us to see that often other things can take the place of spending time in the Bible very easily. If screen time assessed your life, what would be the results? Would you be happy to show others or would it be something you'd want to screw up and put in the bin very quickly? Okay, what would it reveal about the desires and priorities of your life? Okay, where would time in the Bible rank? You know, I think most of us understand the importance of spending time in the Bible. Okay, we realize love for and delight in the word of God should characterize you and I as Christians. And yet for a lot of us, we would just as quickly admit that we don't do it like we ought to. We can be very inconsistent. And hence our text has a word to speak into our lives to help us to develop more regular and rewarding time in the word, which will have far reaching impacts in our life. So firstly, from the text, I'd like to consider 
the appropriate attitude. You know, these three verses that commence the second chapter of 1 Peter are actually one sentence in the original language. And the focus of the sentence is in verse 2, desiring the sincere milk of the word. And this flows logically from the end of the previous chapter, where Peter had been reflecting on the power, eternality of the living word. So now the Apostle Peter applies the theology. Okay? Understand, theology properly understood is always practical. And he uses a universal illustration to help us grasp the proper response to the word of God. He says that we as Christians ought to desire the word. Okay, the Greek term speaks of a strong consuming desire. It is an intense yearning. It is to crave after. And this same word is used elsewhere by Paul when he explains his desire to see people or, or to be with people, but he is unable to get there. He says that he longed to see the Romans. He also said that he greatly desired to see Timothy. It's the same Greek word. So it is a desire that one feels when they are separated from someone they love and they long to be with that person. Have you ever felt that? And you do anything to be with that person. Perhaps you have been away from someone you love for an extended period of time and you just long to see them. Okay, I'm very soft, so I'm hopeless when I'm separated from my wife and my kids. I don't like it. And I remember when Emma and I were engaged, we lived three hours apart. Okay, and we would try and see each other once a week. But when we were apart, I longed to see her. You know, I wanted to be with her. That's the sense of this verb. We are commanded to have this strong desire for the Bible. And notice the universal illustration that Peter uses. And it's such a wonderful image to encapsulate the points. We are to desire the milk of the word like a newborn baby desires the milk of its mom. All healthy babies long for milk. In fact, this is the first expressed desire of a human. Now all the parents know that babies vocally and passionately express their desire for milk frequently, no matter the time of day or night. Okay, babies act as if their life depends on their next feed. Okay, a healthy baby has an instinctive yearning for milk. Okay, Archie, our youngest child, as you can probably tell from the amount of roles that he has, he loves milk. Okay, and he always has. And I didn't have to tell him to wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning to have milk when he was first born. He just did it. And even now when it comes to milk time, he gets excited. He kicks his legs. He does this little Irish dance and he gets this big smile when he sees his bottle and he screams hysterically if the bottle falls out. And sometimes when he's finished and he wants more. Okay, he has a natural and strong desire for milk. And this is to describe you and I as Christians when it comes to the Bible. We are to yearn. We are to crave for the scriptures. Okay, you know, like the baby, cry until we taste the milk 
of the word. Does that describe you? Okay, does that describe me? You know, I do want to be careful not to push the metaphor too far. But a couple of points that I believe worth considering. Okay, number one, this is a natural desire for a baby. Okay, Emma and I have not had to teach any of our children to like or drink milk. Okay, the desire comes naturally. And as Christians, the desire for the word should come naturally. Okay, sure, there's times where it will wane, it can be inconsistent. But if one has never, ever possessed this desire, that's very concerning. Because Jesus says in John 8.31, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples. Okay, a genuine proof of discipleship is a desire for the word like a baby with milk. Okay, the second thing from this metaphor, when a baby doesn't desire milk, they are usually sick. Okay, if Archie didn't take his milk, we would know that he is unwell. Very unwell. And if you are not experiencing this desire for the words, like you have at another point in your life, then you are spiritually sick. There's likely some sin or spiritual slackness that's robbing you of this desire okay, or has replaced this desire in your life. And this sickness needs to be cured in order for this desire to return. And the third thing from this metaphor is that babies long for milk frequently. Okay, a baby has milk around every three hours for the first few months of their life. This is not something that happens infrequently. It's not once a week. It's not once a month. And this means that this desire should be something that you and I experience regularly, not rarely. Now, even if I have pushed the metaphor too far, the idea is clear. As Christians, we are to desire the word of God just like a baby desires milk. Now, an important interpretive point of this verse. So we need to understand this is speaking to all Christians. Okay, there are some who see these references to milk. And then read Paul's use of the metaphor elsewhere into this text. Okay, elsewhere, Paul compares milk with meat or solid foods. Okay, and in that context, he's talking to immature or young Christians. Okay, but that doesn't make sense in this text. This doesn't represent elementary Christian teaching, but rather what is stressed is the desire. Okay, like a baby, we are to earnestly yearn for the milk of the word. Okay, that's what this is about. And as I think about this, okay, a love and a burning desire for the scriptures, I can't help but think of Psalm 119. It's the longest chapter in the Bible. It's a glorious piece of literature. And it's all about the Bible. It's all about the scriptures. And listen to what the psalmist says. Here are just a couple of snippets. Verse 16. I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. Verse 47. And I will delight myself in thy commandments which I have loved. 
Verse 97, oh, how I, sorry, oh, how love I thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Verse 103, how sweet are thy words unto my taste. Yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. And verse 127, therefore, I love thy commandments above gold. Yea, above fine gold. Okay, here was one who desired the milk of the word just like a baby. That there was a love of, there was a delight in the scriptures. They were treasured, they were valued even above gold. And the question for you and I is this, do we desire the scriptures? Okay, do, do we crave to be in the word of God? Do, do we possess a hunger to sit under the preaching of the word? Does it feel strange for us? Does it feel not right if we don't have a devotion? Or is it quite easy for us to not read the Bible? Is it more natural and habitual to have a devotion or not have a devotion for you? Do you crave the Bible? Have you ever experienced this desire for the scriptures that I'm talking about? How would you grade your current desire for the word? Are you like a baby with milk? You know, if we are honest, okay, we would all acknowledge that we have room to grow in this area. So how can this desire for the word be increased? And this leads to the second point, which I've entitled Advancing the Attitude. Okay, how can we grow our desire for the word? And the text reveals at least three things. The first thing that we need to do is to eliminate sin. Okay, in order to sustain and to grow our desire for the word, eliminating sin is a requirement. You know, if a baby doesn't drink milk, it's a sign that they are sick, as I mentioned previously. And this is the same for the believer. If there is very little desire, or it's not what it once was, that's an indicator that you are spiritually sick. Okay, this is an obvious symptom. It's likely that, that you're clinging to sin. And as you cling to sin, it will drain us of our desire for the words. If you look at verse 1, it commences with the word, wherefore. And this seems to be referring back to the living and enduring word of God, the incorruptible seed. And remember, the first three verses of chapter 2 is one sentence. And the central thrust of the sentence is desiring the word. So the point seems to be that if these sinful attitudes and actions... In verse 1, a present, one will not long for the milk of the word. Okay, these sins and all sins will not stoke and grow the desire for the word, but will choke and hinder it. So in order for you and I to grow this desire, we need to lay aside sin. The verb translated lay aside in this verse was used of removing dirty clothes okay that's the image so we are to remove these wrong practices take them off discard of them 
Okay, we must give up sin in order to grow our desire for the word. Now, the desire to eat is a God-given faculty to ensure our survival. And we typically, numerous times throughout a day, will have strong urges to consume food. But when we get really sick, we typically don't eat much at all. Okay, the nasty tummy bug enters your life. You can't keep anything down. Your head is throbbing. You have a raging fever. Your tummy feels like someone has been jumping on it like it's a trampoline. Your throat is as dry as the desert. You feel miserable. Okay, in such times, the natural desire to eat is suppressed. The sickness affects the desire. And in the spiritual realm, this is what happens when we pursue and cling to sin. Okay, or to change the metaphor, if you picture your desire for the word as a fire, sin in our life is like pouring buckets of water over the fire of desire. If you look at verse 1, Peter lists five specific sins. And this catalog is not intended to be exhaustive, but rather representative of evil. In fact, the first term, all malice, it's a very broad Greek word that could include all evil and wickedness. And hence, we need to grasp the vital point that we cannot live in sin and there be no consequences. Okay, that, that's a lie that the devil has told throughout all of history. Okay, he told it in the garden and he continues to whisper it in our ears. Okay, you and I as Christians, we need to grasp the destructiveness of sin. We, we need to understand its effects are far-reaching and impacting. And as believers, we cannot be clinging to sin because this acts like a leech that sucks the life out of our desire to be in the Word of God. Okay, this is one of the many impacts of sin in the life of the believer. And hence, we must repent and confess our sin regularly and constantly remembering we have the promise if we confess we will be forgiven and this will clear the way for an unhindered desire for the word of God so striving to eliminate sins is a requirement to sustain the desire for God's word okay the second thing we need to understand is that it is the means of growth if you desire to get physically fit you want to lose weight you want to gain some muscle that doesn't just magically happen requires hard work requires dedication likewise if we want to get spiritually fit say lose our fleshly blubber gain some spiritual muscles we need to be in the gym of the word notice in verse 2 there's a little word there translated that it's the greek word hina which denotes a purpose clause. So we need to desire and consume the sincere milk of the word for the purpose of growing, okay? In order to grow. Spiritual growth will not occur without consumption of the scriptures. Okay? It's the intake of the word that the Holy Spirit uses to grow and mature believers. It's interesting that the verb grow is in the passive voice, which means this is done to us. So we don't produce 
the spiritual growth, but it won't occur if we are not in the Bible. Okay, so that's the Holy Spirit's role, that's our role. Both have a part to play in our sanctification. But the Bible is the means that is used to grow us. Okay, the Word of God, consuming the Scriptures, is necessary for the growth of the Christian. So we need to understand spiritual growth is not some mystical thing. It doesn't just magically happen as we sleep. You can't put your Bible under your pillow and then you're more loving and gracious. You're not infused with sanctification as you walk through the church door. But rather, as Jesus said, sanctify them through thy words. This is the primary means of spiritual development. Now, babies long for milk because it will enable them to grow and to develop physically. And as believers, we should desire the milk of the word because this will enable us to grow and develop spiritually. But if we neglect the word, understand we will go backwards spiritually. He won't stay neutral, you'll go backwards. We will become stunted in our growth. And this is one of the leading reasons why there are so many immature and weak Christians, because they aren't in the Word. And hence, this is why we should be in the Word, because it's only as we consume the Scriptures that we will grow. Okay, and please understand this. This is actually exciting, because if you look back at chapter 1, the Word of God is living. Okay, it's powerful. The Bible is not just words and phrases written thousands of years ago. It is imperishable seed. It was through the word of God that the Holy Spirit brings us to new life. But the word is not only effective for regeneration, okay, that's new birth, but also sanctification, our spiritual growth. Okay, this is the power of the Bible. Okay, it's not just another book. It's living. It's transformative, and it's by the intake of the truth contained in this book that the Holy Spirit grows and matures believers. That is the wonder of the Word of God. And as believers, we ought to be concerned about spiritual growth. Why? Well, because God is. 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 informs us that it's God's will for us to be sanctified. Young people often want to know, what's God's will for my life? God wants you to be sanctified. That's what the Bible says. This is God's plan. This is his desire for us. And the word of God, through the spirit of God, possesses all that we need to change, grow, and make progress in our lives. But just like the baby. If it doesn't drink milk, it won't grow, and it will become very unwell. And the same is true for the Christian. My friend, the Word of God contains every spiritual nutrient, vitamin, and mineral that we need to grow. It contains everything. It's the perfect balanced diet, but we need to consume it in order to grow. And the third thing. It's in the word of God that we experience Jesus. Verse 3 says, If so be, ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Okay, this is an allusion to Psalm 34. 
And the point that's made in the context is this. If you have tasted that the Lord is gracious, that the Lord is good, this will motivate you to desire the word. Okay, we could say that yearning for the milk of the word has its stimulus in past experience. What we have tasted previously ought to stoke our present desire for more. Okay, consider this illustration. Have you ever had your first bite of food? And that initial taste excites your appetite and straight away you determine you are going to demolish that whole plate very quickly. Have you ever opened a block of chocolate and you've had one piece, but that initial taste led to a second piece and a third piece and ten pieces and then the whole block? This is the idea. And if you are a Christian, you have tasted the grace and goodness of Jesus. Okay, the ultimate experience of this is your salvation. Okay, the fact that Jesus Christ took on human flesh, fully God, fully man. And being God, he left heaven, came to this earth. He lived a perfect life that you and I never could. And he went to the cruel cross. He died the death of a criminal despite never once sinning. And on the cross, he took your sin and my sin upon himself. He was punished in your place. God's righteous judgment was unleashed on Jesus. Jesus paid the price for our sin on the cross. And now all who come to Jesus Christ in repentance and faith are forgiven of their sin. Get are made right with God. The hostility is removed, saved from eternity in hell. This is the gospel, the good news. This is the ultimate demonstration of God's grace and goodness. And I trust you've experienced this. I trust you know Jesus Christ as Savior, but if not, you can today. Okay, make today the day of your salvation. Okay, but for the believer. We have tasted the grace and goodness of Jesus. And that ought to excite our appetite to desire more. Okay, and here's the thing. We experience again and again the grace and goodness of Jesus as we spend time in the word. Okay, when we read and study the Bible. It's not just to master the contents. It's not just an academic exercise. But when we spend time in the word, we come face to face with Jesus and experience him. We see who he is. We see what he is like. We see what he has done. Because understand the words of the Bible are the words of the Lord. So to read or to listen to scripture is to hear the Lord speak. As one writer put it, to drink the milk of the word is to taste again and again what he is like. For in the hearing of the Lord's words, believers experience the joy of personal fellowship with the Lord himself. This is what is happening as we spend time in the Bible. We experience Jesus. 
Okay, what, what we have in the Bible, it's not just words, it's not just phrases, it's not merely the power of language, it's not just moral instructions or wise counsel, but we taste and experience the Lord. Okay, and that ought to stoke our desire to be in the Word, because it's there where we get to know and experience Jesus. Okay, the scriptures are sweet as honey, because in them, the Lord gives himself to us. And here's the thing. The more time that one spends in the word experiencing Jesus, the more we will desire it. Why? Well, because Jesus is so wonderful and majestic. As you see him, as you know him, you'll want to know more. As you see and taste more and more of him, the more you will want. I can guarantee that. My friend, what a wonderful privilege it is that we have to experience and know the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is what is happening as we spend time in the word. And this is why we so desperately need to desire it. Just like a baby does milk. So my friend, where are you at when it comes to spending time in the word? Are you getting enough to be growing spiritually? Are you tasting the goodness and grace of Jesus? If not, what's the hindrance? What, what's the barrier? You know, are there some sins that, that you refuse to let go of? Do you need to reevaluate your priorities? Perhaps use your time a little bit better? You know, perhaps for some tonight, there's a need for repentance and confession. Okay, you know that you are not in the world like you ought to be. You know that you are slack. Maybe it's been weeks or, or even months since you've had a devotion. My friend, if that's you, understand you're robbing yourself. You're missing out on so much. Make it right. Confess it. And ask for the Lord's help to change. Ask that that desire would be rekindled and the message for all of us is that may our desire for the word of god be growing okay, we, we never reach our maximum capacity may our love for it and our delight in it be increasing okay and here's the motive it's not some legalistic list okay where we have to tick the box that we've done our devotions it's not mere duty but rather it's a great honor and privilege to read the Bible because it's here where we get to know the Lord Jesus Christ. It's here, it's in this book where we get to experience him. We see what he's like. We see what he has done. We, we taste the goodness and grace of the Lord in the word. It's here where the gospel is revealed. It's through the Bible that the Holy Spirit will grow and strengthen our relationship with Jesus Christ. Okay, it's here in the book where every day we can grow in our knowledge, understanding, appreciation, and love of Jesus. This is why we need to be in the Bible. This is why time in the Word needs to be a priority. This is why it's such a privilege because it's here primarily where we get to know and experience Jesus. 
And may we be infused with an increasing desire to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'd like to finish by throwing out the challenge, particularly to young people. This is a youth service. Our young people understand that our church and our community needs young people who desire the milk of the word. We need young people who want to know and experience Jesus Christ more than anything else. That is the passion of their life. Because that is the type of young person who will make a difference for Jesus. Young men, this is the type of quality that will make you appealing to good Christian girls. Young ladies, this is the type of quality that will make you appealing to good Christian boys. Young men, you need this quality in order to be the next leaders of our church. You're the future. Okay, you need this quality to be a leader. Young people, the baton of the church, it's going to be passed on to you. But for you to do that well, you need to desire the word like a baby does milk. Because it's here where you get to know and experience Jesus. And may that be the number one desire of your life. Because that will lead to a life lived for Christ. My friend, that is the best kind of life to live. One that's lived for and lived with Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I do thank you uh, for this uh, portion of scripture. Lord, I know my desire for the word needs to grow. And uh, I do pray that you would do that work uh, in my heart. Lord, may it be, continue to grow throughout all of my life. And uh, I pray that for each and every one uh, here tonight. Lord, I, I'm sure uh, that there are some here who, who aren't in good devotional habits. Lord, I pray that make the decision tonight with your help uh, to make that right. And uh, I do pray that you'd be growing uh, our desire for the word in the lives of each and every one of us. We pray this in Jesus' name and for Jesus' sake. Amen. I'd like to invite